0: What is a Christian? Is it like an American? Is there a citizenship test? Is it something you're born into?
1: Do we have a certain type of cuisine? Many often see and refer to Christianity as a nationality of sorts. But what is Christianity? Let's take a look.
0: Welcome to Where There Is Hope. Here we offer inspiration and encouragement from the Bible. With Travis Renfro, I'm John Lindsay. We're glad you're here. For this episode, we're going to be looking at what is a Christian. And I guess if we're going to start it out, uh, Travis, what would you say is the common understanding of the word Christian?
1: Um, someone that goes to a Protestant church <laughs> I mean if it's that maybe just something that generic uh, we kind of draw a distinction between Protestants and Catholics Protestants could call Christians, Catholics for some reason don't um, I do know, that's kind of where my thinking goes when I initially think of it
0: Yeah, I would say that's probably uh, an accurate description usually there's of course um you're called a Christian because you believe Jesus Christ has a deity. Um, and, you know, since Christ is Jesus' last name, you take on his uh, his last name. I'm joking.
1: Um, <laughs> I thought, well, do we need to restart this no, podcast? No, let's I'm do joking. a Bible study first.
0: <laughs> um, so the word Christian, let's take a look at what the Bible says about the word Christian. So you got to guess on how many times you've probably read the notes. Yeah, I do. But so prior I, to you reading the notes, what would you have said, how many times would you have said that the word Christian was used in the Bible?
1: I would have guessed a lot more than the actual number. I probably would have put it in the teens or in the 20s if I had to guess.
0: It is used three times, only in the New Testament, of course. Uh, two times in Acts and one time in First Peter. So the first time it's actually used is in Acts 11, verse 26. It says... I think I actually have uh, verse twenty five in here as well so uh so Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch for a whole year. They met with the church and taught a great many people and in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians uh in acts twenty six and verse twenty eight we see um, Paul is teaching Agrippa about his faith and Agrippa said to Paul in verse 28 of chapter 26 in a short time you would would you persuade me to be a Christian and then uh, the third time that we see it is in 1 Peter 4:16 Peter says yet if anyone suffers as a Christian let him not be ashamed but let him glorify God in that name uh, so if those are the three instances used in scripture how is that the uh, the name or the religion that we have today? What are your thoughts on that?
1: I was thinking as you were reading that and, and referring to the three times that it's actually used in, in the Bible that it's funny that it's become such a ubiquitous term for us. Um, you know, we almost we don't really call ourselves anything else, and I, and I don't know if that's a strictly American thing. I don't know. I've never been outside the country for any specific length of time, but... Um, yeah, it's it's the thing that we've adopted. I don't think it's necessarily a bad term that we have adopted. I mean, and we'll talk about what it means and and all that later. I don't want to spoil that. Uh, it's not a bad term at all, and it's not an it's not inappropriate, and it's not um, it doesn't lack description. It's just interesting that we have adopted it so uh, so much, and scriptures didn't really do that.
0: Yeah, it's it's very widely adopted. Um, So, something interesting, I'm I'm jumping around a little bit in the notes here, Um, but something interesting is that the name itself, you do see it used a little bit outside of the Bible in some extra-biblical texts. Uh, For instance, we often talk about a man named Josephus who was a Jew and a scholar who uh, kept some records aside from the Bible um, in New Testament times, and he refers to a tribe of Christians if I can put that in quotes, uh, who believed in a man called Jesus. And and um, I won't go much further than that, but he uses that word Christians as people who believed in uh, Jesus' deity. Um, but aside from that, we don't really see a, you know, like nowadays we see a, uh, I could say a, a cultural division, maybe, if that's the right word, uh, classification, however you want to put it, of Christians, but we don't really see a big division, or recognition, I could say, between Jewish people and Christian people that is recognized by some form of government until about AD 96, uh, when the Jews were actually taxed on something and the Christians were exempt. So there we see um, at least that there's something that separates the two of them in that instance. but the the Lexham Bible Dictionary, if we look at what it says about this word, I like this definition. It says, "One who worships Jesus of Nazareth as the Messiah and the Son of God of Israel." Of course, it's a lot more than that, um, but in a in a basic statement, I think that is uh, maybe a good definition. What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I thought you know your typical definition is just being Christ-like, but that that's that's good, but insufficient. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're right. It's pretty much the same word. And then this this definition that you've pulled here from Lexham, I think, is very good Um, because it it implies more than just some mental assent that Jesus is the Christ because it says one who worships Jesus of Nazareth as the Messiah and the son of God of Israel. So there is, there's more than just knowing it. There is activity that's based upon the knowledge, if I can say it that way.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. So what I'd like to do now is shift uh, to looking at the new Testament globally. And, um, you know, aside, aside from, uh, you may or may not have looked at the notes already, but um, can you think of any other names that these people who believe in Christ are called in the New Testament? I think we see a few, um, and I've got some listed, but I'm wondering if you can think of any um, in addition to these or, or these. Feel free.
1: Uh, first of all, totally have looked at the notes, so I, okay. I would cheat if I <laughs> they gave you answers. I, I can't think of any off, other than the three that you have listed. Uh, I don't want to dive too much into those because I know you've got your... Thoughts and comments prepared about those. Um, okay. But, All right. Yeah, looks uh,
0: good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, I just was curious because we didn't do too much prep before this, so I thought maybe you had thought of some other ones. Um, disciples is a, a big one that we see. Uh, we see that used quite a lot in the New Testament. Um, oh, it looks like I've got a typo. It's used 28 times in the book of Acts to describe these people. Um, I would say it's probably the most common one that's used. And what is a disciple?
1: It's a teacher, a follower. I almost think of it like an apprentice of someone who, who tries to mimic their teacher in not only knowledge but action.
0: Yeah, so like modern-day disciple, what does that look like?
1: Modern-day disciple of Christ? Or just oh, the
0: just generic a use disciple. of the
1: term. Yeah, oh. sorry, just a disciple. Yeah, um, again, I would think someone who's a student, um, someone who...
0: So, like, someone who goes to classes, or are you talking like, student in school, or how would this have looked?
1: Yeah, I think more like an understudy, um, you know, if I'm thinking, like, in a field, particularly, like, if you're in a particular field of work or career field, um, someone who not only studies and gains the knowledge, but also follows in the practices of like so if you were let's just pick a random career if you were going to be a plumber uh, you would have a certain amount of schooling that you would have but then you'd also spend time working with plumber and following him around and learning the the tricks of the trade so to speak that that's how i would think of it
0: yeah yeah uh when the master plumber goes out on a job you're going to go with the master plumber you're going to watch everything he does and you're probably going to do that for a few months before you go out on a job by your on your own. Yeah. Um, so there's a period of, of training, and then when you go out on your own, you're going to learn those tricks and trades that you learned from the master plumber to help do your job. hmm Is that a fair?
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, you'll, you'll learn some skills, but then in, in practice, those skills become sharper.
0: Yeah. And I think of um, the practice of the, the uh, rabbis in at, at mm-hmm. the time of Jesus as well. Like, their students would literally follow them around pretty much everywhere they went and uh, were consistently with the rabbi to learn from them so that one day they could be rabbis and teach others uh, these same things. So anyway, this idea of a disciple or a follower. uh, One example I have, there's a bunch in Acts, like I mentioned, but one example, and of course um, you see the word disciple used a lot in the Gospels, um, maybe not in the same uh, conversational context that we're talking about right now. Because in the gospels uh jesus has not has not died and been raised yet, so uh, the meaning's a little different I would say, but in acts sorry in acts uh, acts fourteen when the in verse twenty one when they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch. that's talking about Paul and his missionary journeys um but yeah, you can see that word disciples used there. It's used a bunch more, but I just thought this was a good one that talks about people who have been uh, preached the gospel and, may, and they were made into disciples. Another word that we see used is believer. Um, and there's a few different instances of this. Um, we see one in Acts 15, verse 5. It says, but some believers who belong to the party of the Pharisees rose up and said it is necessary to circumcise them and to order them to keep the law of Moses. This is during the Jerusalem Council. Um, It talks about believers who belong to the party of the Pharisees. What would that imply?
1: Uh, That implies that they were converted to Christianity. They had, had been Pharisaical Jews, and then they've now converted to be believers in Jesus as the Christ.
0: Yeah, sometimes when we study um the New Testament, we talk about Jewish Christians um which is kind of a paradox uh in a sense um because a Jew has one belief and a Christian has another. I would say modern day it's a paradox. Yeah. Um, you would say that you were a Jew and now you are a Christian. You wouldn't you can't be both um but at this time It was more of a cultural thing, so it was like their their heritage was Jewish, but they had become Christians, if I can say it that way. Mm -hmm. So anyway, it's interesting to see it used in that context, and we also see it used in Acts sixteen in verse one. Paul came also to Derby and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. So you you can see there too. uh, It talks about. His mom being Jewish, but she was a believer, so uh that same kind of idea that you can be uh, it, it seems more like a heritage type thing so, mm-hmm. any thoughts on believer
1: yeah, it makes me wonder if every time and I have no idea I haven't looked at this yet, but if believer is typically most typically used in to those about those who were Jews who converted to Christianity um sort of as a differentiation from yeah. You know, cultural Jews who also believed that Jesus was not the Christ. It's like, well, they were Jews, but they believed. So maybe as a differentiating
0: factor. That's an interesting point. That's a good, a good point for further study, I think. Um, and then another one that I've found is um, it says there, there are several references to the way. So someone who is a follower of the way. There's, uh, what, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, uh, I think 6 or 7. Here, I'll just read them all. Uh, Acts 9, verse 2, 19, verse 9, and 23. Acts 22, verse 4. Acts 24, verses 14 and 22. It, it says the way in all of those passages. And uh, I believe I have one example. Yes, uh, in Acts 9, and verses 1 and 2, this is when... Paul was persecuting people. It says, but Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Uh, So this one's just a little bit different. What do you what do you? Uh, what's the way? What, what is he talking about?
1: No, it makes you immediately think of John 14, when Jesus says, "I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me." So when I think follower of the way, I think follower of Jesus. Um, it may have also, and I don't know this, but it may have also, uh, and just implied the way of Christianity, like a more generic term, people were are just following that sect, uh, and Christianity is called a sect, and. In the New Testament, so maybe something like that. What were your thoughts?
0: Uh, yeah, I think you hit it right on the head. That that idea of Jesus being the way. Um, I find it interesting that even in the book of this is all in the book of Acts that each of these are used in uh, to refer to essentially the same group of people. So it could be like you talked about earlier that maybe some some are called believers, others are called disciples, but in general they're all following the way. Uh, but it, you can even see in this context that um, here he's, uh, the way it's referenced, Saul is an outsider looking to persecute people within the way. So it could be once he's within the way that he refers to it differently. I don't really know. Uh, but it's it's interesting. So you have these, these uh, disciples, these believers in this way, and these people who follow this way. All who are essentially the same group of people called Christians.
1: I'm so, curious of those four: Christian believer, disciple, and follower of the way. Which one of those do you would you prefer if if you had your druthers on how what someone called you?
0: I would say a disciple. That's me, a disciple of Christ.
1: Yeah, I, I have very much the same thing, and I, and I think the reason is I felt like Christian. Kind of feels generic because of its overuse, mm-hmm. even though it's, it, it, like we said, it's a very excellent thing to be called, but it, it just, it's not very descriptive because of how we've treated it, I guess, in culture. But disciple would be my preference, too. I was just curious what your thought was on that.
0: Yeah, we use the word Christian to mean um, uh, religious, I would mm-hmm. say, a lot of the time. So if I say I'm a Christian, what someone might interpret that to mean is that I'm someone who's religious and believes that Jesus is the son of God. Um, But there's so much more that goes with that. And if I say I'm a disciple, uh, I think a lot of it is overuse in our common common day. So anyway. Okay, so I'd like to just ask some questions now related to this. Um, And... um, yeah, so here we go. So who can become a Christian? That's for you. I'm not going to just target all these <laughs> oh, okay. at you, don't worry.
1: Um, my quick and dirty answer is anyone. It's an exclusive club, but the membership's wide open, if I can say it that way.
0: Yeah, There's, yeah that's a great way to put it. Um, and we see if you look at the Bible and you're trying to figure out how these people came into this, um, this was something that, we we talked about the Jews some, this was something that was presented to the Jews first. Um, There's several scriptures you can find that point to that. Maybe most notably is Acts chapter 2, where Peter gives a sermon to a bunch of Jewish people and really uh, kick-starts the church. We talked about that in a previous episode. Um, But uh, here, this is where uh, we see that opened up as an opportunity to the Jews. And then in Acts chapter 10, we see Peter also gets this commission to take this to the Gentiles, which, uh, if I can say, uh, Gentile is essentially non-Jew, mm-hmm. uh, therefore opening up the door to everyone, not just to the Jewish people, but to anyone and everyone. And that same thing applies today.
1: Mm-hmm. It reminds me of one of my favorite verses in Romans one sixteen. When Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek.
0: Yeah, well put.
1: Well, Paul said it, so i yeah.
0: It was well Well put. Well quoted. Well quoted. (laughs) Good job, Paul. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So uh, we asked who, what. I think we've answered that pretty uh, in depth. When did they become Christians? This is an interesting question. So... Um, if you look at the book of Acts, there's tons and tons and tons of conversions. So in Acts chapter 8, and verse 34, uh, this is Philip. He's brought to a eunuch that's reading the uh, book of Isaiah, and he comes to Isaiah 53, and he has some questions for, eunuch, or for, for Philip. And um, now this man says to Philip, in verse 34, about whom... I ask you, does the prophet say this, about himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And in verse 37, which um, some manuscripts add all or most of this verse, uh, it says, and Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he replied, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And then in verse 38, And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when he came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the Phil- and the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. Uh, so here, um, I just think it's interesting to note that Philip is brought here for a purpose, um and once he has taught this man and baptized him, uh he's then taken away to do something else. So we see this man has been converted. Uh when Philip shows up, he he is not a believer, he's not a disciple, and when he leaves he is a disciple and a believer. Um so interesting. Uh but, but where did they become Christians? Do you do you have to live in a certain country or city to be a Christian? Travis is a silly question, but you know i think it bears answering
1: no geography does not make it any me- more or less likely that you can become a christian
0: well put okay and then this brings us to our final question i am going to ask you this one uh, why did they become christians and why do we become christians today
1: so in a previous episode we talked about what salvation is um and I'm glad that we recorded that one before this one because it helps to answer this question, I think, more eloquently. Um, we needed help. We needed salvation from our enemies. And our enemies primarily are sin and death. And there's literally nothing that we can do to defeat them on our own. So when you come to that realization, and some people call that your your moment of conviction or, or whatever that may be, but it's basically just coming to a realization of the state of your, you know, eternal self, and where you where you would go, and all those things, you realize that you need help, and so the only place that you can go is the only source of salvation. What would you say?
0: I think you, uh, again, very well said. Um, salvation for for my sins, and salvation for my uh, for for not from for my sins, salvation from my sins. Uh, because I've made a lot of mistakes in my life, and um, there's nothing I can do without Christ. And it's the same—you know—the same message that we have today is the same message that they had then. Uh, that this coming King, who had been prophesied by the Jewish people, was here, and he was going to have a spiritual eternal kingdom that could that uh, where he would remain undefeated. Because uh, if if you can't kill him, then how can you defeat him? Death is the only thing that we use to truly defeat people who are evil, mm-hmm. or or good, or whatever it be. You know, um, I don't know if that's making sense. Death is how we stop somebody out. Mm-hmm. And if you can't kill someone, then you can't defeat them. And Jesus cannot be killed. He was killed, and he came back from it from dead. So, so he was killed and resurrected.
1: So death has no dominion over him. So you're you're faced with that question. You got to confront that question. What are you going to do with Jesus? You're either going to obey him, submit to him, and be a part of his kingdom, or you're going to try to go it against his kingdom. And if death can't defeat him, then what hope do you have? Um, you know, you hate to make it that obvious, but when you when you're on this side of salvation, after you become a Christian and you become a disciple, follower, however you want to phrase it. It seems so obvious. On the other side, it's not. I mean, I remember before I became a Christian, it's not that obvious. Yeah. But on this side, boy, it sure seems like it's a simple choice.
0: Yeah. Well, I hope this has provided you with some content to think about for your personal life. And uh, we will see you next week. A short note, I will be taking a small hiatus, and uh, Travis will be having some different guests posts on uh, and hopefully I'll be back here in a little while thanks
1: thank you for joining us where there is hope it is our goal to share the hope and joy that we find in scriptures with you if you like what you hear please subscribe and leave us a review you can email us at wtihope at gmail.com. Lamentations 324. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I will hope in him.